Hello and welcome to the Green Canary. Today on the pod, we're going to be talking about a landmark court case in Tasmania, which saved an iconic Tassie forest and which may save many more forests elsewhere. We're also going to be talking about a new wave in renewable energy. Emphasis there on the word wave. Great pun. Yeah, gives you a bit of a clue, doesn't it? Thank you, Elfie. (laughs) And we're also, because we have to, because we secretly like to, but we don't want to bog you down in it, but we have to talk a bit about politics, don't we, Elfie? Because they are still debating the great big climate bill right now. And right at the end of the pod, we're going to talk about a bunch of totally stupid stuff that should never be built. (laughs) It is absolutely shocking how many of those proposals are actually out there. Anyway, there's all that and more on the pod today. I am Ant Sharwood. I'm a little bit fluey, so excuse my voice. But I'm joined, as ever, by Elfie Scott. And Elfie, you tell me you've been counting your calories very closely so that you can go to Germany and Portugal, which you are in coming weeks, and pretty much, as I understand it, Eat both countries. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what's going to happen. Look, I'm not exactly calorie counting, but I'm trying to not drink as many frappuccinos as (laughs) As offered. Yes, Mm. exactly, because you offered me one before we walked in, and I was like, you know what? No, because that's two sausages in Germany, I assume, in the great calorie equaliser. It's probably a Kransky for a a frappuccino. I'd say that's (laughs) that's a pretty well-established culinary uh, equation. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, let us let us talk about uh, the the green news this week. Uh, that is the news that extends beyond frappes. Elfie, what you got for us? All right. Well, this is some interesting renewable energy news. Basically, Melbourne company Waveswell has, for the first time ever, successfully generated electricity using the power of ocean waves. This is really fascinating. I wish we could show you the photo. Uh, but basically, imagine like a sort of Dalek-type unit Um from Doctor Who. It's kind of like a weird building, basically. Um, I, I saw more more of a sort of floating public dunny. You know? Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I can see that. Just one of those, one of those old-fashioned big concrete ones in, in kind of parks near some sad beach somewhere. <laughs> well, okay, so it's either a toilet or a robot. But basically, <laughs> this unit uh, was sitting in the Bass Strait to generate power for King Island's local energy grid. The CEO of Waveswell Energy, Paul Geeson, said that they've been focused on this trial for months now and they have finally accepted the electricity uh, Hydro Tasmania as suitable for the grid which he says is a really important achievement. Um, Basically it works by mimicking a natural blowhole. So when waves come up against this column, it pushes air into a turbine and then that that converts energy into power. But Ant, you said that wave power hasn't been successfully harnessed before for a reason, right? Well, the problem with wave power, as I understand it, in my limited understanding, uh, you could probably put that sort of caveat before almost anything, but, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> my limited understanding of wave power is, is that the motion of waves is hard to capture. Mm. It is highly idiosyncratic. Um, these guys seem to be making a device that works with the waves rather than kind of against them, if you like. Right, they, they, okay. they, that whole blowhole thing where the, the waves surge up and through the device and power the turbine. I, look, there was a couple of interviews I wanted to do this week. We've done one for our third story about the Tarkine Forest in Tassie. I wouldn't have minded getting these guys on the phone and may yet do it because... Another episode, why not? How are we making wave power? Look, there's enough wave power in the world to power the world. 
uh, many, many, many times over. The problem is harnessing it because, as I said earlier, of the idiosyncratic nature of the movement of waves. I think these Aussie guys, these Melbourne-based crew from Waveswell, might be having a bit of a breakthrough here, and it's worth following up. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll do that in the coming episodes. But for the moment, this one unit that they have created can make enough energy for 200 homes. So it's a start. Absolutely, that's a start. And you're talking about King Island. I don't, I don't think there's too many more than that on King Island. So, you know, <laughs> just a lot of brie, I think. A lot of brie. There's just brie in the fields. You know? <laughs> free range brie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now let's talk, as we must, about politics. And what do we want to say about the climate bill again this week? Let's do it. Um, look, it's good news. So the climate bill is babbling along. Um Good news, I think, <clears throat> actually, that's quite a loaded statement because there are some people who say 43% not enough. Well, yeah, and I think that people are justified in saying that. I don't think they're you know, not justified either. Politicking. Indeed. But I, I think we've established through our newsletters and through previous chats that you and I, and I think the mood of the general public is is to get on with it, something to... Just get it legislated. Floor not ceiling, floor yep. not ceiling, floor not ceiling. Have to say it three times because people say it so much. Uh, that seems to be what's happening. But it's not quite as simple as getting it through. They've have to make, had to make a tweak or two so far, haven't they? Yeah, so they actually made that tweak to the bill. They made that amendment to say that the 43% target is a floor, not a ceiling. Uh, this was pushed by the block of independents in the House, and they've referred to it as Dutton insurance, which <laughs> I kind of like. It basically means we're not backtracking. This is the only direction we're moving in now. But that being said, they've still got to push this through the Senate afterwards, obviously. And the Greens and David Pocock have called together for what is called a climate trigger. And basically that means that in the EPBC Act, the Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Woo! Conservation Act. Oh, God. Well it basically is an amendment to that to say that the Environment Minister has to consider the impacts on climate change before approving new fossil fuel projects. So whether or not that actually mm. ends up in the bill is very much yet to be seen, but it looks like Labor are definitely being pressured in the Senate to do so. Yeah, and there was a bit of argy-bargy between Bant and um, Albanese this week, wasn't mm. there? Um there, there was, um, Bant said, look, I never said you can't have any new fossil fuel projects. Yeah, because Albanese kind of misrepresented this, He mis- right? did mis- misrepresent that. And Bant said, hey, I never said that you said, you know, no, <laughs> anyway, no new fossil fuel projects. What I said is, if you're going to have them, we've got to have a better mechanism to assess them, which is the climate trigger. Mm. So that's kind of where we're at. We're at, at this legislation being tweaked, whether it actually ends up, ends up in the upper house with the climate trigger as part of it remains to be seen. But it's week two and um, let's keep monitoring it. Yeah, I mean, it's another sitting week. I think there's going to be a lot more headlines about it. There certainly will be, but but let's let's move on. Let's let's talk about a really good piece of news, something that has come full circle, or that certainly has moved along in a significant way, and that's the Tarkine. Now, the Tarkine is the the temporary the temporary. Well, you see, if the miners had had their way, <laughs> it would have been a temporary forest. <laughs> well played, <laughs> thank you. But it's the temperate temperate rainforest. Um, I believe it's Australia's largest temperate rainforest in northwest Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I could get into some weather-boring stuff about why it's a temperate rainforest there, <laughs> meteorologically speaking, but I won't. Resist. I'm, I'm resisting. I'm biting, biting my hands. I'm doing everything I can. But basically, uh, look, there's been a mine there for years uh, in the Tassie town of Rosebury. Indeed, the town only exists for the mine. Um, 
It's an old zinc and tin mine, and it's been owned by the Chinese state-owned group MMG. They had to build a tailings dam. A tailings dam is basically a dam in which you chuck all the toxic sludge. And Susan Lay gave it the green light. In May 20, uh, this year, May 2022, it was given the green light. Um, that has been overturned in the federal court, and we covered that in our newsletter last week. Now... The reason this is significant is something I actually discussed with the Bob Brown Foundation today. And maybe before we say anything more on the uh, issue, we should run that interview. Yeah, sounds fascinating. I'd love to hear it. So Adam Burling from the Bob Brown Foundation. uh, Last week, when this result came through, Bob Brown himself said the following thing. He said, this is huge. It is a judgment of environmental law which will extend beyond Tasmania's Takana slash Tarkine forest and its threatened wildlife to threatened environments all across Australia. So, Adam, before we get into the nitty gritty of this actual issue, do you think that what we see here could potentially be a precedent in law when they're assessing all sorts of developments across Australia going forward? Well, it could could very well could very well be. What's significant about this is that the court found that the precautionary principle uh, was to be upheld in this case. The fact that there wasn't enough work done on the science around the Tasmanian mast dow and the potential impact on its habitat. So if that's transferred to other cases, you'll see the developments have to take um, better care and do more on the ground work in regards to protecting endangered species and particularly making sure that projects don't have an impact uh, on, on their lives. It, it just seems remarkable to me that 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 wouldn't already be the case. Um, but th- there it is. That's what happened. So why don't you explain to our listeners just a little bit about, about the background to this case. We are talking about the Taikine Forest. We are talking about a tailings dam that the Chinese state-owned entity MMG was going to build to dispose of a bunch of pretty toxic waste that was associated with with its zinc and tin mine near the Tassie town of Rosebury. Um, The dam was going to be built. Uh, Susan Lay gave it the green light back in May. You have had that uh, decision upturned. That's what happened in the federal court last week. Tell us about the area and how it happened. So the area is 145 hectares of ancient Tasmanian rainforest. It's It's got spectacular old growth trees uh, from, from myrtles, giant eucalypts. It's really, it is really a place of wonder. And what's been proposed is that the mining company MMG wants to pump its waste across the nearby river, the Pyman, and dump it into a tailings dam and what happened uh, the first first process for creating this uh, toxic waste dump was when minister susan lay approved um, the initial 
roadworks and surveying works. So they, as part of the setting up of construction of the dam, uh, Minister Lay approved 14 k's of roads and clearing for 165 drill sites. Uh, so you can see even at this stage, there would be a huge impact on this forest, which contains uh, Tasmanian wedge-tailed eagle, spotted-tailed quoll, eastern quoll, Tasmanian devil, and uh, what really is significant is the Tasmanian mast owl. So the owl, the owl, the beautiful mast owl, which we had a picture of in our newsletter last week, it's a stunning creature. I believe there are only a few hundred left and it was one of the, the citizen scientists, was it not, associated with the Bob Brown Foundation, who actually found a pair of them there and said, nah, no way are we going to endanger these guys. Is, is that what happened? Yes, it was quite remarkable. And this is the other side to the case, is that our team on the ground uh, worked very hard looking at all the environmental potential environmental impacts of this project. And during the surveys conducted on the site, um, the team collected 400 audio recordings. So we have these uh, audio devices set up high in the trees. And the Tasmanian mast owl is notoriously difficult to uh, photograph or to even get audio recordings that only is active at night. And so through these 400 recordings, uh, they covered everything from uh, feeding calls to these unusual begging calls, which indicate that they're young owls also in the forest with this pair, and therefore it's it's a breeding pair. So it's incredibly significant. Uh, you know, the, the Tasmanian mast owl is the world's largest barn owl, and it's vulnerable to extinction. And our team was able to collect incredible amount of data that showed that the um, proposed tailings dam, and, and in fact, the just the work to clear and set up for it would have a potential huge impact on on this pair one of only uh, potentially 300 pairs left in the world wow so so adam this is another notch in the belt of bob brown himself and the work and the foundation foundation that he has enabled and, and created well done bob well done to all of the bob brown people yourself included and your volunteers um i became very um sort of full of regret hearing you talk about the call of the owl there that I hadn't asked you for some audio of it, but that's okay. I've got a solution. So without notice, Adam Burling from the Bob Brown Foundation, please give me your best uh, Tasmanian masked owl impression. Look, I wouldn't do it justice. And the, uh, from from all accounts, it's not a uh, a very welcoming call. Uh, in fact, it's been referred to as as banshee-like. And so, you know, when you're sitting there out in the in the dark wilderness, hearing these calls, uh, you you do wonder whether. Um, yeah, where well, you wonder what's going on beyond the the dark curtain of of the night in the forest. I tried. God knows I tried. I did my very, very best. But most importantly, you did your best and your best was good enough. You have, uh, we hope, set a legal precedent. We hope that uh, in the future, not just the uh, Tasmanian mast owl, but all sorts of creatures will be taken into account before developments like these are too hastily given the green light. 
So, Adam Burling, thank you so much for coming on The Green Canary. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, very nice attempt to get yeah. an actual just <laughs> organiser to do an owl call. Very impressive. <laughs> I would have done it. <laughs> Um, but I will say that the citizen uh, scientist, that story is so cool that they just went out there, discovered the breeding pair, and they were like, whoa, we can put a stop to all of this. It's people power at the most um, significant level from Bob Brown, who has always worked with people power from, mm. from you know the Franklin Dam onwards for 40 years now. Um, but it's just the most significant significant if, if any environmental volunteers out uh, are out there thinking oh do i really make a difference this this is just a call to every single one of us who's ever planted a tree or cleaned up a waterway or or monitored a masked owl yeah. that we are making a difference and we we can go all the way to the federal court yeah absolutely it's a big screeching owl call to <laughs> citizen oh, scientists very good, very good. all right well uh, let's talk through the mulch this week then uh if you haven't listened to the podcast before the mulch is, are the little news clippings that ant and i bring for each other and you have a theme for this week's mulch don't you Ant? i do because every time i looked up little news stories they kept being stupid crap that they really shouldn't build so this week's mulch is three little clippings news clippings of stupid absolutely ridiculous things that absolutely in no way shape or form should be built and i think i'll kick off with the one that really got me going and it's been going around the internet um the line it's called it sounds like a dave eggers novel which (laughs) if you don't know who he is he's the guy who wrote the circle Mm. i think they made that a movie um anyway um he also wrote a heartbreaking work of staggering genius which was one of the greatest books ever written um but anyway, the line. What is the line? It's a city. Well, it's a proposed city in Saudi Arabia, 170 kilometres long, 200 only metres wide. Um, and it's meant to be really eco-friendly and tra-la-la-la-la. And what else do you know about it, Elfie? You, you jotted some things down. Um, okay, so we can tell you that it is supposedly going to be made up of mirrors, but the actual viability of this project is questionable, not only because of the scale, but also for the fact that all of the digital renderings of this city involve robot maids and flying cars, which I don't think are quite there yet. Uh, <laughs> but the point should also be made that, you know, there's a lot of complaints coming from local human rights campaign and saying that locals are already being forced out of way for its construction. So two full towns have been cleared and the members of an Indigenous tribe have been forced to leave their native home. So it's destructive, it's weird, and I don't think that robot maids are on the way yet. No, and I think glass walls that it has that are like a couple hundred metres high, birds are going to fly into that thing. Oh my God, could you imagine how many thumps of like dying pigeons there'll be? That's exactly (laughs) what the line will be. And I think it's part of a broader sort of image greenwashing that the Saudis are doing from sport to projects like these. Saudis are trying to say, we're, we're, not, those, we're not that bad regime that, that executed Jamal Khashoggi. We, we build nice things that look sci-fi. Yeah. That was well, a bit of politics. That was. At, that really, that got quite heavy very quickly there. Well, but it really I mean, did. Well, let's, let's move on to, 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 to another dictatorial type. Yeah. What's bloody Jair Bolsonaro up to in the Amazon? All right. So... God. So Brazil is one step closer to building a major highway through the centre of the Amazon rainforest. Uh, basically, the, co- the country's environmental authority was given one of the first permits to start construction. Uh, so it's going to be a paved highway th- right through the middle of the Amazon rainforest. The road already exists in part. Uh, it was created by the military dictatorship in the 70s and it can 
connects the largest Amazonian city to the rest of Brazil, but this plan will essentially just give logging firms all of this right of passage and accessibility to these untouched parts of the Amazon. So it is thought that with this highway, they're going to see a five-fold rise in deforestation by 2030. Silver lining. Bolsonaro is so far behind in the polls, and I believe Brazil goes to the polls later this year. Oh, so could you imagine? Hopefully before <gasps> they, you know, bulldoze the entire Amazon, uh, they throw that fella out. Um, again, I just got political again. That's twice. No, I am it's not, fantastic. I'm not going <laughs> to get political here. Look, I like to think you can make an environmental podcast without assuming that everyone will be on a certain side of politics. I do like to I do like to believe that. It may or may not be true. But I, I, I start with that lofty hope. Um, <laughs> it is lofty, isn't it? <laughs> All right, tell me about another thing that shouldn't happen, please. Okay, third thing that shouldn't happen, uh, stratospheric aerosol injection should not bloody happen. It is uh, in very, very simple terms called dimming the sun. Don't dim the sun. Leave the sun where the sun is. What's going on, Elfie? All right. So there's a team of experts that have been put together to look at this new technology, stratospheric aerosol injection. God, that's a mouthful. But basically, the idea involves spraying chemicals into the Earth's atmosphere to reflect heat away from the sun. Sorry, the sun's heat away from the Earth, rather. And the idea came from volcanic eruptions, because when we see those, we tend to see a temperature drop, uh, but also... It's relying on a huge amount of chemicals to go into the atmosphere, which would shockingly change the way the world's weather patterns work. Uh, there's so many reasons Let's this shouldn't happen. Spray a billion airborne cane toads into the stratosphere <laughs> and see what happens. That should work. Yeah, I don't see an issue with that. Look, there are so many reasons that this shouldn't happen. Basically. You know, it will change the weather patterns, like I said. It could also change uh, tropical disease patterns around the world. They're saying that, you know, more wetness equals more malaria. That could change. And also the rapid shock of literally changing the Earth's climate would cause thousands of species to die out. So this is not a great idea. Straight up, if it came down to an apocalyptic scenario, we would probably have to use something like this, but let's just leave it for the moment. We we could be custodians of the earth on which we live rather than tinkerers with it. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. And speaking of custodians, Mm. let's wrap up this podcast, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So as always, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We'd like to pay our respect to elders past and present and acknowledge that this land was stolen, never ceded. Thank you, Elfie. And I just would like to give my weekly reminder to say uh, to email hello at thegreencanary.co. Something magical will happen when you do that. You will get uh, Australia's chirpiest environmental newsletter into your inbox. Chirpiest. There you go. I meant to call out some of the people who subscribed last week. I'm sorry to those, but I'll I'll, I'll call a few of you out next week. Um, And, of course, have a chat to us on social. We all had a good chat this week at... uh, on Twitter, rather, where we are at Green Canary Pod. We are at Green Canary Media on Instagram. And before we go today, I want to say have a great trip, Elfie, in Europe. We'll see you back in two or three weeks. Thank you. And also, for those of you who are disappointed, and I know that's all of you, that you didn't actually get to hear the Tasmanian Masked Owl, our genius producer, Morgan, has found a little bit of audio. So let's go out with a bit of slightly spooky screeching it must be said <laughs> we usually oh. do anyway it's right. <laughs> it's no different from the way Elfie says bye um, of the Tasmanian master owl 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 bye bye